HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Let's get real. The cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica Weitz. Yes, this is a live, all new show. I know, I know, I know. You thought I had just disappeared forever, but really, it's me. I'm here. Things happened. You know, I had jury duty, and then I went on vacation, and then that snowstorm came, and I got stuck, and I couldn't get back to New York. And here I am, a month later. So I'm sorry. I hope you'll all still forgive and love me and keep listening as we enter our new season of Let's Get Real. Um, But yeah, we're back. I'm live. It's all good. Everybody's going to be okay. Just calm down. Um, Anyway, so, you know, normally I sit here and I do my 27 minute long ranting monologue about all things food and foodiness. But, you know, once in a while I like to bring someone in. I like to have a guest. You know, we have a a very... um, Deep, what is it they say in baseball? A deep bench here in the fallout shelter? Is that the term, Jack? Sports bench? Deep sports It's a deep bench. Deep yeah, bench. That's right. Yeah. You're on the bench. We have a lot of people on the bench here yeah. on the team. And one of our key players on the bench is Kristen Wortman, who's been on the show before, and she's our in-house resident nutrition guru, policy expert, etc. And so Kristen's in the fallout shelter with us today. So let's all say hello to Kristen. Hi, Kristen. Hey. Welcome back. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Well, she actually has a little office down on the, the lower level of the fallout shelter, but we leave her alone because Kristen is working on her book and her book is due in a couple months. So she's been frantically finishing up her book and we'll talk about the book in a minute. But Kristen's here today because what I want to talk about is... Um, Something that I'm newly enraged about. I mean, add it to the list of things I'm enraged <laughs> about. That's my life. 
um, my husband yesterday, a few days ago, called me a tightly wound ball of resentment. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what's wrong with that? Um, So the topic today, it's hard to not do this with a script. Topic today, why you are here today, Kristen, is because we're going to talk about the new food guides, right? The USDA government. Dietary guidelines. Dietary guidelines. Used to be called the food pyramid. Now it's called my plate. It's actually not my plate anymore. I mean, it's just dietary guidelines. Guidelines? Yeah. Even though it's shaped like a plate? Yeah, it's it's vague. It's It's, so vague. It's so vague. (laughs) When I was a little kid, it was about the four food groups. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The four food groups, I remember that. And I remember them saying... That in the vegetable food group, you could eat tomato soup. Mm-hmm. That was a food group. And that you should put a chunk of margarine in it. Yeah. They used to tell us that. Yeah. We saw how that turned out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, really. Like, they, they said they now. said margarine is going to prevent you from having heart disease. Right. Okay. Now we know, like, proven, yeah. to, proven. to proven that margarine causes heart causes disease. Causes heart disease. So there you go. There you go. So much for that. And Campbell's, a can of tomato soup. Mm-hmm. I re- recently just read how much sugar... I can't remember the sodium grams too. of sugar and sodium, yeah. but it's basically just made out of sugar. Yeah. That's really sick. I ate so much of that. Can't and see. not only that, but when foods are highly acidic, like in the case of tomato soup, and they're in those, those cans. cans, the lining, the BPA mm-hmm. lining, they've shown like leeches to such a high degree that you're taking in so much of this BPA, which is a known endocrine disruptor, mm-hmm. meaning it can contribute to obesity and cancers and a whole host of health problems, including diabetes. So, you know. There's all of that there too. Great. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about today. I know, I know. Well, sort of. I know. But it's I, related. I probably ate six thousand cans of tomato soup when I was little. I know. Well, I we all it. ate yeah. terrible we things when terrible. we were young. Yep. It was the height. You know, eighties and nineties, seventies, eighties, nineties were the height of the hyper-industrialized food mm-hmm. world. That's really when it came to its like fruition. Right. And so, growing up in that time period, we were all exposed to. Yeah, untold. especially um, with working moms. Yeah. It was all about convenience. There was actually just a new study that I read about yesterday about um, fiber intake for girls. And the mm-hmm. more fiber you eat in your teenage years, the less chance of breast cancer Right, I read have. that. And yeah. I was trying to think back to what I ate as a teenager. Right. And it's like between that and all the canned soup and the BPA and growing up on Long Island on an old potato farm. <laughs> I'm yeah. just doomed. I may as well do an Angie Jolie, you know, and just <laughs> cut them off. No, but you know, the body is miraculous in that it can heal itself and it wants to be healthy. So you've been eating well for how long now? How many years? A long time. Right. So that's all we can do. Yeah. I just ate shredded Brussels sprouts and sweet potatoes and kale before I came here. Wow. That's a breakfast of champions. (laughs) Really? I know. It was good. Um, And then we're going to have lunch again here. But anyway, that's, that's, we're seeing, every time you come on, all we do is get off topic, but that's okay. No, this is topic. Because we're on topic. We're charming and entertaining. (laughs) with all our doom and gloom um so how does the new oh and also before i even forget kristen has a book coming out in three months no no no, no. I, i'm it's writing in it. three months it's due it won't be out probably for at least a year okay but a year goes by fast it does it is called formerly known as food and it's by saint martin's press and that's like the best book title like i wish thank i you. had thought of that thank you if we weren't such good friends <laughs> Would you steal it? I would steal it completely. <laughs> but I know you you can run a lot faster than me. So you would track me down. <laughs> Your husband's big and scary looking. Um, formerly known as food. Do you mm-hmm. want to do a little plug? Talk about the book before we get into sure. it? Sure. Um, 
The book is an exploration of how the industrial food system is changing our minds, bodies, and culture. So I'm really taking a deep delve into like all the recent science. So looking at things like the microbiome, you know, Mm -hmm. all the gut bacteria and how the foods we're eating are changing that, looking at how it's affecting our brain health from things like autism to Alzheimer's, um, looking at things like endocrine disruptors, which are not very well reported, but the science on them is very alarming. Mm-hmm. So, and they're in nearly all of our foods and food packaging. And so, and pesticide residue as well. Sure. Um, and then I'm also looking at a lot of the cultural stuff that's going on in this country around what we call quote unquote food choice. So things around race and class and, and gender. gender and the way, you know, like the workforce has changed, who's cooking in the home and all these things. So, um, really trying to make a broad case for just how detrimental it's been so that we can see some actual change on the policy level. Hmm. I support all of those things. Thank you. It sounds amazing. I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of those books where I feel like eh, I already know all that, but I'm going to read it anyway because I'm going to learn so much. Yeah, more. I think that people think they do, but right. I mean, I'm learning as I yeah. go. So there's so much that has not been reported on. Yeah. So. The whole gut biome thing. I mean, that alone to me, that's like one of my favorite topics. So interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm writing the chapter right now and it actually ties in a lot to what we're going to talk about because if we ever get to it. the, yeah, I mean, well, let's get to it and then we'll see where it fits. <laughs> no, in. Wait, wait, keep going with that. Cause I want to hear. That. Well, I think that we don't fully grasp yet or understand just how much of an effect the micro are they actually call it the microbiota which is the collection there's trillions of these uh, microbial cells bacterial cells that live in in the gut and what they how they interact with the foods they eat we eat Mm -hmm. is so crucially important so when we start talking of these simplistic things like eat less fat eat Mm -hmm. more even eat more fiber the term fiber is a complete simplification there are like so many types of quote-unquote fibers that feed and Mm -hmm. don't feed good bacteria and bad bacteria so um, it just is is a is a way to show the microbiota. I think is a way to show how complex the science of nutrition is because everything once it's in our bodies, it like changes and has different effects from person to person, wow. and that is um, I think such an important issue that and and shows how highly personalized nutrition really is. That's mm-hmm. another thing. Right, so they'll probably we'll probably get to a point eventually where you'll be able to map your own personal oh, yeah. microbiome and tailor what they're you're already doing. doing that. They're, doing they're already it. doing yeah. it, mm-hmm. like your genome right. mapping your genome. In fact, so this, these um, Israeli researchers that I was on the phone with like last week, they've actually found that uh, depending on what the state of your microbiome is and other factors, um, you know your insulin response, which insulin mm-hmm. response is hugely um, indicative of your overall health because it's how much sugar gets released into your body. They found that some people actually have a higher insulin response to sushi than they do if they ate an ice cream cone. Hmm. So it's so personalized. Because of the rice? It could be, but the, it, it's, we don't know. Like hmm. there are so many different things that happen once foods be, get into your body and in different combinations. And depending on not only your microbiome, but your genetic makeup and your predisposition to certain things wow. that it's just like, it's not one size fits all. Right. Right. And it's really, unfortunately, it's about eating what makes you feel really good or sort of what you've traditionally been, your culture has eaten or whatever, but people right. have lost touch with that. Nobody knows and no one knows no, how they're supposed to No, that's true. That's like, a huge part of it. We were just talking right before the show about when we, both of us, when we eat too much sugar, how gross yeah. we feel. Well, and you know, like, okay, so getting to the dietary guidelines, right. they, they actually put a cap on sugar this time. Yeah, that was one of the key points I wanted to talk about right but the cap is um i think it comes out to about 12 teaspoons of sugar which is still like an enormous amount of Mm -hmm. sugar um 
the American Heart Association says women should have no more than six teaspoons. Men should have no more than nine teaspoons. But like you have said, you have like maybe one teaspoon a, a day. day. Mm-hmm. Um, and honey in my yogurt. Right. And I mean, the truth is, and from what we're like learning from all the science is that like any amount of added sugar appears to be problematic in mm. many ways. So hmm. the idea that we can eat 12 teaspoons of sugar mm-hmm. a day and be healthy mm-hmm. is, makes no sense, like at all. And it doesn't yeah. follow any of the science that we're looking at now. Right. So it's like not based in science at all. No, it's based on marketing by the sugar industry. It's lobbying. Sugar lobby. Big sugar. Yeah. Very powerful influence sure. into the guidelines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. the All the processed food industries uh meat industry dairy industry the soy the soy the um oil industries they all have a say in the dietary guidelines and they all influence them Mm -hmm. it's really just marketing for them it has nothing to do with with true nutrition or right no yeah um so okay so let's get back to it so how are these um the new guidelines different from the old i mean we we talked about how they've they put in some token language about less sugar. Right. And what else? That's, they? I mean, there, there's no significant difference. Even There's no significant difference even from the very first dietary guidelines, which came out in 1980. Um, they've made this year, they've made some like language changes that do point towards, you know, decreasing your consumption of sugar. They do say that you should have, if you're going to eat grains, then half of them should be whole. Mm-hmm. Um they but they keep this thing about not eating saturated fat. They lump saturated fat, sodium and sugar under the same like bad umbrella, mm-hmm. which is really wrong yeah. um, and highly misleading because, well, for one, saturated fat comes in whole real foods that are full of other, other micronutrients. Right. And, right. And sodium is an essential part of your body. <laughs> uh-huh. You'll die if you don't have right. sodium. Um, but sugar, we know, is actually detrimental mm-hmm. and um, shouldn't, you know, it, I I would support them telling people, like, not to eat sugar, like, unless for special occasions. It's mm-hmm. something that you eat, like, occasionally for your birthday mm-hmm. or whatever. It's not part of your everyday diet mm-hmm. or it shouldn't be. Yeah. You know, that always, like, on Halloween, I think I talked about that on the show this year that, you know, it's. It's this like just over the top sort of candy consumption orgy, <laughs> which would be fine if it was like when we were little kids and you did that once a right. year. Mm-hmm. But now the amount of sugar that kids eat every day yeah. is so high anyway. Yeah. It's like wh- there's no difference between no. <laughs> regular day and no. And no. I mean, there the dietary guidelines are so concerned with heart disease mm-hmm. and high cholesterol and um, obesity, right. but they make saturated fat the villain when it really it, it's not. It's it's. Okay, it's not one thing, first of right. all, but it's definitely sugars up there, refined carbohydrates, right. processed um, grains, processed cereals. grains, yeah. even high amounts of like whole grains. You just you can't overeat carbohydrates mm-hmm. in general, um, and sodium. But that's only when we're talking about processed foods. When you right. eat highly processed foods, you're getting a huge glut of mm-hmm. sodium in one sitting right and deli meats and canned soups and packaged products right. and all that stuff that's right. totally different than if you like roast a chicken and like put a good amount of salt on it like, yeah i'm all for using healthy amounts of salt it makes food taste right good. me too i'm a chef i put kosher salt all over everything yeah but yeah but it's not the same as eating like right. your you know microwave dinner or something <laughs> yeah exactly so um okay oh we have to take a little break wow we're halfway done <laughs> We could go on forever. All right, we're going to take a very short break. We'll be right back.
This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. Welcome back to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica Wise, and my guest today, my buddy and pal, Kristen Wortman, who, coincidentally, I met many years ago, yeah. like 2011. Five years five ago. Five years ago, when she was organizing Occupy Big Food right. during Occupy Wall Street. And we, yeah. Yeah, that's how we met. And now we have Bernie Sanders as, as a viable candidate. Viable candidate. I mean, it was so I exciting. I mean, neck and neck with Clinton yep. last night. I know. That was great. I and you could see how the messaging that came out of Occupy, mm-hmm. that's what Bernie, that's Bernie's whole thing right now. Yep. So when people say Occupy did nothing, I'm like, no, yeah. look what we have now. We have candidates discussing the issues that we were talking about at Occupy. I know. It's pretty cool. It is. That awesome. Cold day downtown. Yeah. And we marched. Yeah, that was great. Um, Jack, Jack was there too. Jack was there too. That's thunder right. Thundersnow. We had thundersnow. Thundersnow. I remember it well. <laughs> that's when we all met. Um Anyway, um, so I just came back from, so I was in Mexico, as you know, on vacation. And then this big storm came, and so I got sort of derailed. We couldn't get back to New York, so we went to Florida instead Mm -hmm. to visit my mom. You know, killed two parental birds with one stone, (laughs) which was a good idea. And there's my mom living in South Florida, Mm -hmm. one of the richest agricultural regions in the country. All this stuff is being grown. And yet we go to the supermarket and it's like crap. You know, the produce section is not very good. They have a section of organics, which were pretty nice. They were all from California Mm -hmm. and Mexico. I'm like, here we are in Florida. Why Mm -hmm. are, you know, there is a farmer's market, but she won't go. She's old. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like she's very stuck in her ways. Mm -hmm. And then my mom's like, oh, they have really good bread here. And we went to like their in-house bakery you know, and it's all this like fotisanal. That's what I call <laughs> it. Like fotisanal yeah. bread. You yeah. know, it sort of looks all crusty and has seeds on top. Right. And my mom's like, oh, this is a really good bread. It's really healthy. And I was like, you know what? I could ask them to print me out a label with all the ingredients, mm-hmm. but I don't even want to know what's <laughs> yeah. in it because unless it just says like flour, salt, and water, yeah. I don't want to know yeah. what's in the fotisanal bread. And right. I was like getting so worked up mm-hmm. by everything mm-hmm. in that store. And I felt like this is a perfect example example of like the so the more than token effort that the american supermarket is making yeah but sort of how limited thereby they are sort of by what's available to them right. and just the whole like the kind of like factory ingredient mainstream funnel right that it's so hard to break out of yeah you know true. and for someone like my mom where she lives it's like she doesn't have that many options she's not yeah. gonna drive you know a long ways to seek it out she's old I but that's you know that's her. the that's most Americans. Most yeah. Americans oh, I know. don't have. We live in the bubble. We do. We live in the Brooklyn, Portland, Berkeley bubble. Mm-hmm. That's what I call it. It's true. I know, and we have access to so much stuff and so many options. I know. And I don't want to come off as like an elitist or a snob, even though I am, because <laughs> I have access to all of this stuff. But it just makes me crazy. I opened my mom's fridge, and she had that Trop Fifty mm-hmm. stuff. It's like fake orange juice with oh. um, artificial sweeteners in it. Oh. And I almost like killed her. You know, yeah. She had that. In the well, 
well, speaking of artificial sweeteners, and, and this is something that goes to the dietary guidelines, was I was actually on the media call where they did the whole press release and they had people discussing the various findings. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, you know, we want people to drink unsweetened beverages. Mm-hmm. And so one of the reporters was like, well, what does that mean? And they're like, well, that means that everyone can make their own personal choice <sighs> about what to drink, but that does include diet drinks. Oh my God. So... I mentioned the Israeli researchers are looking at the microbiome, and one of their key findings is on artificial sweeteners. Yeah. And what they found is that artificial sweeteners change the composition of the gut bacteria to such a degree that it's causing insulin resistance. Nice. So here again, it's like the trans fat thing all over mm-hmm. again. The thing that was supposed to prevent you from having diabetes or obesity, mm-hmm. in this case, artificial sweeteners, is actually, it looks like, is actually causing. causing um, diabetes mm-hmm. and obesity. And there's been long history of knowing there's an association between artificial sweeteners and obesity, but they didn't know, you know, it could be, are people just, they're heavier, so they're, they they start drinking diet soda. Mm-hmm. But this actually points to a reason, and it's changing the microbiome. Oh, my God. Do you feel like 100 years from now, we're going to look, they, they will look back on they're us and what we ate and laugh. And yeah. they'll be eating the way people ate 100 years be, uh, Hopefully, ago. if they make it. Yeah. I mean, right it, now, um, half, more than half of the entire population is either diabetic or pre-diabetic. Oh and those numbers are largely underreported because a lot of people don't, don't know. know. So, you know, it's safe to say that most people in this country are um, have some kind of metabolic syndrome or disease. So that's a scary thing. Yeah. And, and two out of every three Americans are either obese or overweight. So um, and, and, you know, and this is where the dietary guidelines, the, the relevance is so key because when they started 1980, okay, that corresponds mm-hmm. exactly with the, the skyrocketing type. of obesity and diabetes. Mm-hmm. So why is that? And also the um, introduction of uh, aspartame into the diet. That was the year yeah. Diet Coke was launched. Oh, right. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, when they went from, uh, um, what's it called? Regular sugar. Regular sugar and saccharin to... Uh, but saccharin is actually really bad too. As right, but know. it wasn't as sort of widely used. Like the diet mm-hmm. soda industry wasn't as oh, enormous right. as it is now. Right. You know, yeah. the widespread, really rampant, widespread use right. of diet soda now. Yeah. So and diet products because for a long time they could. There were a lot of products you couldn't make with saccharin because it's not like heat stable. But then mm. NutraSweet came along and then oh, okay. they marketed it as Splenda. And right, it was easier to. I mean, not as, insert, as equal. And then Splenda came along, yeah. and, you know, and now you can bake with it. Right. So now it's just, it's just everywhere. Right. It's a lot, you know, and it's to- completely parallels that rise. Right. In obesity. And heart oh, disease. yeah. So, I mean, 1980 saw the introduction of a lot of those additives and things. It also, trans fats is when, you know, that's mm-hmm. when trans fats really right. inundated the market. I mean, it started before that. Uh, started like in the 60s or Well, something. in the turn of the century, actually, was when oh, Crisco, Crisco Yeah, was Crisco. Invented. But, I mean, like, in terms mm-hmm. of, like, just being everywhere, everywhere. in processed foods, mm-hmm. that was like, those were the decades, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And corn syrup. And, you know, vegetable oils. So, yeah. Yeah. so vegetable oils. That. So in this time, this year's um, dietary guidelines, they have a separate category just for oils, um, which is a new thing. I don't, you know, it's mm-hmm. just oils and it tells you to avoid saturated fats, but eat plenty of vegetable, vegetable oils. oils. So vegetable oils are really bad, in my opinion. (laughs) And I've looked at a lot of research and talked to a lot of researchers who um, have been looking at them. So polyunsaturated oils, and so those are things like corn oil and soybean oil, canola oil, safflower, sunflower. These are very unstable oils. So 
they are actually somewhat difficult to use in processed foods. So what they did was they hydrogenated them, mm-hmm. and that's and then they became really stable, and right. that's what trans fats are. But then the the all the evidence showed what trans fats were doing. So FDA banned them. Uh, many manufacturers took them out of the products, although they're still there in minuscule amounts in mm-hmm. many products. Um, <clears throat> and so now we're we're seeing. Th- uh, manufacturers use tons of oils and the dietary guidelines also wants us to use them at home and cook in them. Mm-hmm. So the problem with them is like I said, they're unstable. So they can they oxidize very easily with heat or right. exposure to oxygen. And the one kind of cholesterol that we know causes like arterial damage are oxidized yeah. fats and cholesterols. And those are rampant in oils. Right. Butter, on the other hand, is a super saturated fat. Like saturated, think about it. It's solid at room temperature. Mm -hmm. stick of butter Mm -hmm. um that is safe to cook with safe to bake with so is lard Mm -hmm. um beef tallow coconut oil coconut oil palm oil although the the tropical oils that had been so vilified by the canola oil industry are actually the ones that are best for you right they're all fat bacon fat yeah yeah Yeah. those are the good things the good ones and unfortunately the dietary guidelines is like not keen on this no and the oil industry actually is a huge industry because it's soy and corn and canola which is like all gmo oils these are huge industries that have powerful sway and they're in all the processed foods and actually one statistic that was so shocking so from 1970 to 2005 the consumption of vegetable oil rose by 91 percent in this country which represents the single greatest increase in any one food product even more than corn syrup yeah wow so and um and actually um our consumption of like fat meat eggs went down by like 17 percent right so um refined grains went up vegetables actually went down a little bit but stayed some like kind of steady so when you look at what is it that's causing sugar went up um but these oils are really problematic and i think it's going to be kind of like the next thing that people are the next targeting tobacco yeah well i mean like right now everyone's like gung-ho and sugar which i totally understand but like it's not just the one thing mm-hmm. there are multiple factors here mm-hmm. and um we i think we've talked about this before also um the rise in diseases like Alzheimer's. Yeah. And how I think you were the one who had told me once that um, people are calling Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes right. now. Right. And yeah. that's also because of the increase in, in sugars and in sweeteners. And But right. also, are the oils affecting people that way um, too? I'm not sure about the oils. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they definitely damage the arteries. Uh-huh. So when you think about what's going on in the brain, I'm sure that has some effect there they're oxidated too, and they're fats. oxidated fats, right. but um, or oxidized fats. But I think that the the problem is when we have high levels of insulin circulating in the body, um, it affects the brain. I mean, they've already done yeah. a lot of studies to show that. So they are calling it type three diabetes, even for people who don't get diabetes. Mm-hmm. But they think there are some strong connections between a diet very high in sugar and high in refined carbohydrates or excessive amounts of carbohydrates and some mental, you know, mm-hmm. disturbances as, mm-hmm. as, as we age. And in, in children, there's been well-documented studies between things like ADHD and, um, well, autism is a whole nother big category. But, you yeah. know, there's like, there are definitely things pointing towards 
um, the role that elevated levels of insulin in the body have in terms of brain health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've I've mentioned this many times on the show before that when I was a vegetarian in Mm -hmm. college, but uh, my idea of being a vegetarian was that I was eating bagels and pizza and pasta all the time. Yeah, yeah. I was 20 pounds heavier than I am now. I had no energy. I was exhausted all the time. I was constantly getting sick. Right. And I would have these crazy blood sugar spikes and crashes all the time. Right, because you were eating all those carbs. All I was eating was refined carbs all the time. And it's like suddenly I, and I was like, but I'm a vegetarian. I'm so healthy. What am I doing? You know, it's like I sort of finally figured it all out. Right. And that's what happened to a lot of people with these dietary guidelines because they started saying replace saturated fats with carbohydrate that was the thing remember the base of the food pyramid was like six to eleven servings bread pasta so that's what a lot of us i mean i did it too Mm -hmm. when i was like i guess it was like high school or something and and um it's not good no i mean there's so many crucial nutrients in such in like animal foods and saturated fats that people are missing out on you know and Mm -hmm. they're still saying these dietary guidelines are still saying low fat or Mm -hmm. fat-free milk cheese yogurt you know mm-hmm. um that's based on no scientific evidence there's been more than a dozen meta-analyses where they like or sy- sy- um, systemic systematic reviews where they like look at all the literature mm-hmm. and they've shown very very weak correlation mm-hmm. between saturated fat consumption and heart disease like mm-hmm. this is like doesn't exist mm-hmm. so the fact that they they're holding on to this yeah um is not based on science yeah, I mean, the nutrition mainstream just cannot let that go. Yeah. I mean, even like in the Times, like they'll still publish these right. articles on Tuesday. And, but and you, tell you, know you to who. eat low. I'm not going to say her name. <laughs> who we both. Yeah, I've written about her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she'll still, she's still banging the low fat, low fat drum. Thing. Yeah. yeah. It's really mind boggling. It's what happens else. like where it's like something just gets repeated mm-hmm. so many times that it becomes, it's truthiness. It yeah. becomes the conventional wisdom. Right. And everyone just says it. And it's so hard to convince people. Otherwise, yeah. it's like almost impossible. Right. And then the government comes out with these guidelines that basically just reinforce that same fact. And yeah. what we were also, um, what we wanted to get to, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're almost out of time, yeah. is what they've left out. You know, the things that they're not talking about. Like right. the sort of, it's it's like just, it's such a broad basic message. Yeah. And they're leaving out so many other factors. Right. You know, even, I mean, things I talk about on the show here, you know, foodiness things where like they'll say, well, eat more whole grains. Okay, so you buy a whole grain product, but it's not even yeah. really a whole grain product because whole wheat flour isn't even no. necessarily true whole wheat flour. Right. It's like white flour. They'll add the bran back in. It, you know, I it know. can be bleached. It can be oxidized. It's like all Like it could be like whole grain stuff. Lucky Charms. Exactly. Or something. That's what I always yeah. talk about. Yeah. Right. Whole grain Captain Crunch. Right. And what they're using is this albino strain of wheat. So right. that it's white when white it's wheat. whole, it's yeah. white wheat, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and it has no nutritional Nothing. value, whatever. And your it's body, just sugar. Yeah, your body still responds to it just like sugar. But people yeah. will look at the labels and because it's all about, you know, big food and mm-hmm. marketing. and They labeling. have that check mark, the, the whole grain right, council. The whole grain council, which is like General Wheat. Mills. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. You know, yeah. yeah, it's really crazy. So it's really like there's so much missing information. So and for much. some, you know, busy young mom, someone who's not really mm-hmm. clued into it, mm-hmm. they just go to the supermarket and they buy it. And I even. Right. see it like with my own mother who's a very bright person yeah and was a very good cook now you know she goes well look it says right on it that it's, i know. You know yeah i know and then they put the fat-free milk on the cereal yeah and there and that's more sugar right with no fat i know and that's making them fat right that's i have these sick. private clients who i cook for once a week who i will not of course say their name because mm-hmm. i'll get fired but um <laughs> she's a partner at goldman sachs mm-hmm. these are not stupid people you know harvard business school and mm-hmm. They have a cabinet full of boxes of cereal. Yeah. 
Raisin Bran. Yeah. Raisin Bran has like more sugar <laughs> than eating like two Snickers bars for <laughs> yeah. breakfast. I know. And a fridge full of low fat milk. Right. And that's what they eat. And she's overweight uh, by yeah. a lot. I'm sure. And is like, I can't figure out what's what I'm doing wrong here. Did you tell her? I've tried. She doesn't listen. You no. Know, they don't want to know. Yeah. You know, and then I'll come and cook for them and I'll like use butter and I'll like cook with, you know, all these real fats and, I'll, and they're like, oh, okay, you think you can cut back on the fat a little bit? And I'm like, mm, no, no, they need it. <laughs> they, they would lose, they would literally lose weight. There was actually a study that said people who drank whole milk weighed less yeah. than people who drank fat free or um, low fat milk. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's like almost Orwellian the way everybody, you know, we've absorbed this message for mm-hmm. so long mm-hmm. and it's a message that's so wrong. So wrong. when I teach now, every time I teach, I start out my class like almost immediately with like, we are going to be cooking tonight with butter and mm-hmm. olive oil and bacon fat mm-hmm. and we don't use any vegetable oils right. here. And this is why. Yeah. And everything you've been taught for the last 40 years about nutrition is completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need to reevaluate the whole thing. Right. Yeah. I know. I mean, it's funny because we sit here and we say, oh, we think people know these things, but they really no. They don't they still don't it's true and and but i mean look at the dietary guidelines i mean you you asked in the email like do people even pay attention to the dietary guidelines and like that's a good question yeah. i don't know like unless you're like in, like us and you're into this like who who actually takes a look at the dietary guidelines but they do influence like a lot of things that people eat that don't have a choice so in mm-hmm. like schools, schools or prisons institutional or feeding. anything and even there. um they provide curriculum to public school teachers yeah. to teach the kids about well nutrition. and they provide like the direction to the rds like all yeah. the people who Right. They are they are taught to follow the USDA they dietary right. guidelines. So it ha- it actually has a very broad influence whether or not people are paying attention. Right. Um, it does, and it actually influences the food industry in some ways too because what they say they'll change for their products. I sure. mean, witness all the low fat products, and when they started saying you have to have low fat mm-hmm. foods, all the industry was like, okay, here's another yep. like niche. Um, right. market for us that we can capitalize on right same with like the well, with whole grains where you get whole grain captain crunch from right exactly yeah. right or pro even probiotics you know oh, this yeah. idea of probiotics now are in all these mainstream products like activia right which is so processed and, and so sugary. industrial and sugary or yeah. artificially sweetened yeah. it's like how is anything going to survive in there it's that's not. a viable probiotic <laughs> it's, not. it's like what do you i know what what I know it's it is it's like Orwell. I mean it's foodiness that's what exactly what foodiness is it's like these fake healthy products you know mm-hmm. sort of wolf in sheep's clothing kind of things which is what yeah. the show is always all about yeah and and one other like key point that I'm going to be writing a lot about in my book is that what we eat when we're babies and children mm-hmm. has such an enormous effect on our whole life long and on your children yeah. Oh, but yeah. The future, epigenetics right. of what your mom ate and what her mom ate exactly. impact you. But with the microbiota, it's actually like if you don't have the right bacteria because you weren't breastfed mm-hmm. or you didn't pick up the right strains mm-hmm. through the vaginal delivery, yep. um, you never have those strains like ever. Yeah. And the this is very new science, but it's so fascinating because if you don't have them, it doesn't matter how much good food you eat. Right. You could eat as much kimchi as you want. You're (laughs) never going to get it. Right. Mm -hmm. So these are things that we're just starting to understand. And like the dietary guidelines, that's new. But what they should be saying is that, look, what we eat when we're babies and children is a huge impact Mm -hmm. on our lifelong health. They know that even regardless of the microbiota, but like just food preferences, which I've written about in the New York Times article. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, like chances of having diabetes or obesity. So they should be saying, you know, we need to have guidelines for babies and children too. Mm-hmm. And we should be limiting the marketing of these really detrimental Terrible foods products. to them. And don't yeah. get me started on infant formula. 
because <laughs> we've that done whole shows is. on it here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, infant formula, I call it the gateway foodiness drug. It's the first processed food. The gateway foodiness food. food. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's the first processed food. It is literally ground zero foodiness food. It is. And it's what pe- people get started on. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, and then you know, as far as just the dietary guidelines, there's no mention of any policy or regulation, and they should be providing those. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one huge thing. It's not just about what we choose individually, but it's about what the government says that these manufacturers can and can't do. And right now they can do anything they want. Yeah. So, well, that's because they own the government. (laughs) All controlled by that. But now with Bernie, Bernie, we hope, well, but getting back to the, the microbiome thing, I actually, I mean, I've known about this for a while, but Mm -hmm. I read last night that it's now standard procedure in a lot of hospitals that if a baby's born by C-section, they swab them down. They're starting to do that. They're starting to do that. I was just reading about that. Yeah. And, um, also, uh, if babies are just born naturally, not washing them right oh, off yeah. at birth because you come out coated like in this soup yeah. of your of this yeah. microbacterial, yeah, like rich right. stuff that you the babies need to swallow and yeah, get they colonized need, yeah. with it, right? You know, they used to just wash them off right. I away, know, and now they right? Don't. And so my friend, I was telling you, had this baby mm-hmm. the other day, thirteen weeks early, right? And um, I had been talking to them about it, and so my friend texted me, and you know, he's like. Don't worry. <laughs> He's like, she only weighs two pounds, but they didn't wash her off. He's yeah. like, they made sure, yeah. you know, that they left her all Well, with in premature slime. babies, what they're finding is, so one of the researchers at UC Davis that I've been interviewing is they, they actually colonize, they have this bacteria that babies really need. It's mm-hmm. crucial for their health. And if you're born by C-section, you don't get it. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of premature babies also are really sick. They get really sick. So when they give the babies this one strain of bacteria, mm-hmm. they, they recover the mm-hmm. premature babies like amazingly. Mm-hmm. So what this researcher wants to do is be able to give it to all babies that are born. Right. Period. Just prophylactically. Yeah. Just and, uh, it's a good uh, idea. Yeah. Yeah, but it just shows you like how much we still just don't understand, you yeah. know, about nutrition and how cursory these dietary guidelines are. Right, and to break it down into something so simplistic as to this like four component right. plate or you know whatever it is, it's right. like these huge like thunderous blank, not blank. What am I trying to say? These just like broad statements, yeah, with no meaning. There's no, no meaning, meaning, and there's no. Um, no depth, There's like of, no explanation. There's right. no depth. Yeah, right. and it's so simplified. And then the medical establishment, they get no nutrition training, training whatsoever. Right. And then the ADA is completely owned by Minute Maid and Coca Cola and all those companies, and it's right. terrible. Okay, well, on that happy note, <laughs> well, that's why I'm hoping that people will read my book. Yes, when it comes out, and they'll be able to understand like the the implications of all these things that we've been doing. And it's so. not just about personal choice, you know. It really isn't. It's no. about changing these things on a like on the governmental level. On the, have and to a be policy and a policy scale and a global scale. scale. Right. It's about changing our food supply and yeah. all that, yeah. taking it back to a pre-industrialized state, basically. Right. But on a much larger scale than that. Yeah. Well, we've gone over, but I mean, okay. it's okay. Nobody's knocking on the door, but we have to go because <laughs> it's time for lunch. Okay. So anyway, as always, thanks for coming on. Thanks. Oh, it's I a love pleasure. On. Thank you. Do you like your little office downstairs? Oh yeah, it's good. Right. It's great. We fixed it up nice. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. Anytime you want to come up one level to this, you know, beyond. Um, we That's it. We're out of time. So next week I'll be back with my regular scripted long rant about something hopefully <laughs> funny and interesting. But I'm going to try to have more guests on this season because it's nice to have people here. It gets a little lonely, you know, just me and Jack all alone. Um, anyway, thanks for listening to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. Thanks to Jack in the booth. Thanks to Kristen Wortman. As always, we'll see you next week. 
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.